Paul, we are Run EMP, and this is the Fat Packs Broadcast, brought to you by the Collectible Card Club, Monster Breaks, and Universal. What's going on, everybody? Again, Paul is not here. He's uh, actually back up in his hotel room getting some rest. I'm recording the opening of the show here in my hotel room as we are recovering from a day of um, the X. Exp- <laughs> That's the only way to... Uh, to explain that, man, we we had a we had a really busy day, running back and forth, doing a lot of stuff on the floor. I was up on the main stage with a gentleman from uh, some of you might know from the Fantasy Footballers podcast. If you listen to them, Mr. Chris Meany, he and I were co-hosting the uh, the main stage today, and we got a lot of good t- content from that. It's uh, not all of it's going to be played today on this episode. But we ha- we had Eddie Shack, we had Mark Henry, and the two that you're going to get today are uh, Johnny Buchik and um, Rick Middleton, both of Boston Bruins fame. So we had them talked a lot about old time hockey, you know, putting on the foil that kind of stuff. That was a lot of great uh, content there for you guys. That I'm happy to bring to you. And then of course we finished out our Super Collector series as well with um dave dave amy and tom so uh looking forward to bringing those interviews to you today as well all i can say about this uh this show today was god it was fun it was um just a lot of different stuff going on in the in the the show floor joe montana was out there throwing passes to 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 guys and (laughs) thankfully everybody he he caught them but the, the funnier part about that was before that all happened, Joe Montana was out just walking the show floor and nobody recognized him. That was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, I understand that this is Toronto and, you know, it's not exactly, you know, a huge 49er fan base here, but you would think that Joe Montana would, would get recognized. So either one of two things were happening. Um, people were recognizing him and they didn't talk to him, which is understandable. Or two, just as he was standing there at the the meat table that we always talk about, um, no one no one knew who he was, which I find that hard to believe. So I'm hoping it's number one. But it, at any rate, no one was no one was bothering him. No one was trying to talk to him, get his photo or anything like that. So I found that a little weird. Anyways, it was great to see him out walking the show floor, having a good time. Um, doing what he was doing it was and when he left after he got done with his uh his signing and 
and the passes and everything, he left with like three bags from the meat table. It was pretty cool. I don't know how he's going to get them back across customs. That's not my problem. But I'm sure that Joe Montana will figure out a way to do that. All right. That's that. I want to set up and get right to the show. Again, we got Johnny Busick, um, Rick Middleton, both from the Boston Bruins. And then we have four super collectors, um, each of them a different player. And it's going to close out our super collector series that we started last month. And I told you it would be ended up this month. And then I'll come back on the other end with a little bit of Beckett whatevs as I close out the show by myself as Paul uh, is resting, and rightfully so. So you guys hang tight, and we'll be right back with Johnny Buchett. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Chris from Buck City Break, and you're listening to the Fat Packs on Beckett Radio. So what's it like to be here today? You see some Bruins fans here with the jerseys on. They've been waiting anxiously to, to, to see you. Well, you know, it's exciting, and I, I just couldn't believe how big it, uh, the event is. And I got to see some of my teammates, former teammates, and some that I played against, and some with. So one thing I want to ask you, and you know, you always hear stories about you know people playing back in the day with you know catalogs and magazines and shin pads and some handy-down skates, and that's right down your alley. You, that's that's how I started. Uh, I actually started playing goals. So I used to. Use magazines for goal for pads. goalie pads. Yeah, no. You could and, not do uh, that nowadays. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, I started off slowly. Played a lot of street hockey, and uh, just all of a sudden, they are in skates. And yes, hand me down skates. Used to get my brother skates. So, uh, but they worked, and that was the main thing. And I was very fortunate to get where I was and to. Do what I want to do. I mean, it's always a great thing. Everybody wants to be in the NHL, and I got the opportunity, and I played for 23 years. And you played well for 23 years. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of playing for 23 years, you got traded from Detroit. You went from a Cup winner to the Bruins, who were probably the worst team in the league at the time. How did you feel then? But when did you know it was going to finally work in Boston? Well, I was disappointed at first because I played two years in, in Detroit. And Ted Lindsay and Gordy Howe were both my idols and players that I really admired and got to know very well. And they looked after us as a rookie. But when I went to Boston, I got to play regular. I didn't play regular in Detroit. Of course, in those days, we only had six players, I mean, six teams. Sure. So uh, you didn't get too much ice time. But then when I went to Boston, and of course, we never made playoffs for a while, but I got to play regular. And uh, that was my... Happiness, I guess. Yes, sir. You know, really made it made me feel very well. Right. So I want to talk to you about you know going back to your older days and, and playing hockey and getting into it. Um, you know, I read some articles on you, of course, about your skating. You always thought your skating wasn't your strong suit. Now what we're seeing is is people in the NHL, Jeff Skinner, Bo Horvat, hiring figure skaters to to teach them along the way and just excel that way part of your game. I feel like you started that. You were one of the well, first to, to yeah, get a figure skater. I started game. when I was playing junior hockey. Uh, mm. We had a coach named Ken McCauley who was a goaltender for the Rangers way back. And uh, they sent me to figure skating. I took uh, lessons to get the balance right and to get your stride right. And that's what really helped me learn how to skate better. What would you say to to a kid who is, you know, struggling to, to skate? And would you suggest to, to go down that way? It doesn't hurt. Uh, yes, uh, skating is 
the most important thing I think in hockey. You've got to be able to skate, uh, and right now it's speed. That's what they're all doing. And figure skaters uh, happen to know how to do it. So if you can get an instructor that can teach you uh, better balance and better strides, that would really benefit the kid. Very nice. Johnny, you were the oldest active player to score 50 goals in a season. What happened to elevate your game at 35 that you were able to achieve that? I just pretended I was 21. Okay. <laughs> Simple enough, right? <laughs> Age is only a number. That's all I look at. Yes, sir. You know, a lot of people talk about Bobby Orr's famous goal, but that wouldn't have happened if you didn't score a goal before. I scored the goal that tied the game up, yeah. In Boston. It was... Uh, Take us through that moment. It was, it was very exciting. We're down, down a goal and... Uh, in, in Boston against the Blues, and uh, we're down one, and I happened to score, and then of course we went into overtime, and Bobby got the game winner, and that was the most exciting part of my life because I spent a lot of time with him. He was we were roommates when he first came into the league, and uh, very close friends. We had a good time. We had a lot of fun, and you know, if every team had a couple of Bobby Orr's on, you wouldn't lose too many games. You're a nice one-two punch. <laughs> Speaking of a lot of fun, you, you, you guys had a, a nice camaraderie there in Boston. Were there any particular times of uh, hijinks that you remember? Any any good pranks or anything like that with the guys in Boston? Well, maybe I shouldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had one. St. Patty's Day. We were at this pub, and uh, Phil Esposito was in the hospital, and he had a little problem with his legs and in bed, so. We, after a couple of pops, we went and took him, the bed, the whole works out of the hospital and brought him to the, <laughs> to the pub. That's awesome. Uh, wasn't too popular. We did a little damage to the bed and all that. But right. uh, I remember Dr. Carter Rowe, uh, he was our team doctor at that time. He was very upset about it. But he said, you know what? He says, that was a lesson learned. He says, now we realize you can kidnap anybody out of the hospital, so they <laughs> tightened up on the security. That's good. That's uh, good. Johnny, uh, you know, some of your former teammates and players say that you, they'd go up to you before games and ask you how you were feeling, and you said, Ew, I'm not feeling good at all. I feel sick. And they'd say, well, that's a good thing. Is that true? You well, that we're most good? was kind of, you know, because it was nervous. Yeah, and, of course. Uh, I get awful nervous, and, you know, you, your stomach would hurt, you wouldn't feel right. Once you got on the ice and you had a couple of shifts, things would change. Yeah, and I haven't always scored a goal, so everybody says, be sick all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Don Terry said one time, the first shift you go out there and lay, lay a hit, and then you're good yeah, to go. Exactly. Uh, if you take a lot of players, like, you know, one of the greatest goaltenders ever, Grant Hall, he used to be always getting sick in the, in the bathroom, you know, and uh, he'd come out and have an outstanding game. Very nice. Now, you've played with so many Hall of Famers along the way. Is there one or two guys that, that you played with that think don't get the recognition that they deserve? Well, I'd have to think about that one. There are a lot of great players. Uh, Ricky Middleton is one of them. Okay. Uh, you know, I think, I feel he should be in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people do. And, a lot of people. And hope he does get into it. And then, uh, I have to take a couple more minutes. You take a look at Derek Sanderson, who had a good career. Uh, and 
There was a couple more. Okay. Before we open it up to anybody who wants to ask Johnny a question, uh, I was just asking some people on Twitter any questions that they wanted to ask you, and one was, where did you get the nickname Chief? How did that come about? There you go. Well, that goes way back to my days, my first year of pro, which was in Edmonton. Uh, Bronco Horvath at that time was a sentiment. Uh, he was pretty crafty. He had a great shot. He could put the puck in the net. And he said to me one day, you're the chief in the corners. You get the puck and give it to me. I'll be in front and I'll score the goals. And that's what we did. And ever since then, the name Chiefs just stuck with me. That's a great name, too. Recipe for success. Uh, does anybody have a question? They want to come up to the microphone? Maybe ask Johnny a question? Don't be shy. Here we go. We got one. This might be a tough question for me, but in all those years that you guys won the Cups and all that, was there any one player who stood out who nobody ever really thought was a star player, but really was somebody who was really helpful to the team, like an un... I don't know, how, how to explain it. An underrated player yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of went under the radar. An unsigned hero. Yeah, we had one, Donnie Marcon, a very, very defensive hockey player. Uh, he was one of the best. And he never, uh, you know, he never got what he needed, what he should have, as far as publicity. That wasn't that tough, was it? No. <laughs> Anybody else have a question that I could ask, John? Oh, come on up, sir. Here we go. I guess uh, my question is, uh, you know, coming in and being a young player and playing with uh, Gordy Howe and Ken Lindsay, but something that maybe they taught you, and then you were able to like maybe pass on or teach to Bobby Orr when he came into a league as a young player, and you being um, more established at that time. Good question. Well, you know what happens is when you're in those days, like I said, we only had six teams in the league, and Gordy Howe was my idol. Uh, he was such a great, strong competitor, and uh, when you first come up, you don't get much ice time, so you're on the bench all the time. And I think I focused on Gordy Howe probably 98% of the time, just watch what he did. And I've seen a lot of stuff behind the plays that he did that the referees didn't see. So, <laughs> but you learn a lot of stuff by watching. Uh, you pick out somebody who more or less plays a position like you. He was a right winger. I played left, so I watched how he played. And he was such a great player. Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. Got time for one, one more? Yeah, we got one more here. We got the ultimate Bruins fan. Hey. My question is, uh, we'll sell you another one. We got a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of all the outstanding Bruins teams, there's a number of teams you never won the cup. What team do you think you should have really won the cup? Well, I would have to say probably the 71 team. I mean, that's a year that we had a better team than we did in 70 or 72. But we ran across a hot goaltender, and that's all it takes. That's really all it takes in the yeah. NHL. Hot goaltending. And though. even now, uh, goaltending is a big part. If you get good, solid goaltending, you can win a game. Uh, we did in 2011 uh, with Terry Thomas in goal. I mean, he stood on his head. Uh, and he was flopping around all over the place, but yet he was stopping the bucks, and that's what you're going to have. He's a hot, good goaltender. Bruins going to win three straight? I'm not touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> one more question for Johnny. Anybody else? All right. That was easy. All right, thank you. All right, you're welcome. Thank you very much, sir. Folks, enjoy yourselves.
This is Michael from the Clubhouse. You're listening to Beckett Radio. There you have it. Hey guys, and just shortly in a little bit, we'll do uh, some Sydney Crosby stuff, but let's bring on Rick Middleton here right now. Let's give it a round of applause. Hey guys. Hey, nice to meet you. Right? Yes, sir. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Got some Bruins fans here to see you. Yeah, I see that. It's nice to see the jerseys. Bruins fans everywhere. Looking pretty sad right now. <laughs> You're going to have three straight? Like the chance? Well, you know, it's a, the odds are against them, but it can't happen. Okay. Have you walked around here yet? And see your this is pretty amazing. This is first awesome, time I've been it? in here. I'm originally from Toronto, and this wasn't here when I was growing up. I mean, I've seen your hockey card on display all over the place. Have you, well, have well, you gone nice. and checked it out? No, I haven't. I haven't had the chance. You yourself no. a hockey card. They're keeping me busy. <laughs> People are smart about these things. When they know these guys are coming in, they put the cards out. That's right. Uh, I'm going to go pick myself up a little here in a minute. Uh, there's, a, there's a few of them. Yeah, there's a few. There's people people. come to me and go, I got an old hockey card of yours. I said, they're all old. They haven't made <laughs> them really that's fair. So you have a couple a couple nicknames. One that stands out, uh, Nifty. Obviously, that one speaks for itself. I want to know who gave you that nickname. Uh, you know, I honestly didn't know until Jerry Cheever said he gave it to me. So I'll believe it. <laughs> so you'll believe yeah. in that. And uh, I'm not sure when it happened. Probably sometime uh, not long after I got to Boston, around 77, 78. But it kind of picked up speed. Not everybody called me that right away. So I don't know if, if you, you know, you guys used the term back in your day when you played like dangler. Did anybody say that ever? You dangler? Know, dangler? Like that's the Is new thing dangler? now with kids. Like they dangle. They got dangles. They dangler. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you're that the was around. That. that was around. Yeah, yeah like a lot of people. And I'd say to myself, stick handle in a phone booth. I've heard that one. I've heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I have trouble fitting in a phone booth. No, <laughs> there are no phone booths. There is no phone booth anymore. There you go. Uh, can we talk about your early career in uh, New York? You came in with a lot of, lot of hype. You were a first-round pick, AHL Rookie of the Year, but it didn't quite work out. What are some of your memories there in New York, and what do you think, what do you think helped you get over that hump? Uh, well, you know, it was a dream being drafted by an original six team, coming from Toronto, growing up being a big Leaf fan in the 60s when they won four Stanley Cups. Until 1967, anyways. Right. <laughs> and then uh, I got drafted in '73 in the first round by the New York Rangers. I played junior in Oshawa for the Generals, and my best year ever was my draft year. So if you're ever going to have a good year, you have it that year. year Ended up year. with the most goals in the league, and luckily uh, went in the first round to New York in the 14th pick. And it was a dream come true. But if you remember, the Bruins and the Rangers played for the Cup in '72. The Bruins beat them in six. So they, when I went to camp in 1973, the Rangers still had a Stanley Cup caliber team. I couldn't crack it. They sent me to, to Providence. Uh, I didn't take it as a demotion. I took it as another step. Sure. And had a, a stay there the whole year. They didn't call me up one game, as you say, one rookie of the year in the American League. And then I made it in the next year to New York. I had 18 goals by Christmas. I was leading the rookie of the year parade. I started off really well. And sometime in January, I ended up getting a stick in the mouth while the first of my uh, 14 teeth. <laughs> first four of the 14 that I had missing. Wow. And broke my ankle the next week in Minnesota. Mm. So that was a bad week. It's yeah. a rough week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I made it back in the lineup that year, but I had 18 and I finished with 22. Okay. And the next year, the, the Rangers, uh, it was a wholesale change. They got rid of Emil Francis, they traded Derek Sanderson, they traded uh, their goalies, Villamir and Eddie Jockerman. And uh, they made a big trade for Phil Esposito and Carol Vatney and got rid of uh, Park and Rattel. 
So it was a team of transition, three coaches that year. Uh, admittedly, I was probably not the most disciplined person uh, on the ice or off at a 21 years old living in New York, having too much fun. And uh, the Rangers didn't like it because when you're on a losing team and you're having too much fun, it's not the same as being on a winning team right. and having right. too much fun. Right. And they decided to trade me to Boston, thank goodness. I went from a team that didn't make the playoffs, the only year of my career I didn't make the playoffs, to a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals the next two years in a row. So you can't go from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I got introduced to Don Cherry. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you know, you mentioned you're you're from Toronto, of course. Don yeah. is a is a pretty you know iconic figure, not just here in this area, but oh, obviously all over. Still in Boston, trust me. Yeah, still in Boston, of course. I mean, I, I, he has a hard time rooting. For, Boston's playing Toronto. He doesn't know. He's got the Bruins time. He's got the Leafs fan. He bleeds black and gold, and he, and he always said that. Uh, and you know, he was he was a great coach. He's a good friend today. We didn't always see eye to eye when I got to Boston. I, I, in those days, you used to go to camp to get into shape. So I showed up a couple pounds heavy, and uh, Don came over and, and looked at me. First time I met him, put his hand out, and he called me Ricky Boy. Hey, Ricky Boy, how you doing? Sounds about he said, right. hey, uh, you're looking a little big this year. You've been working out? I said, no, Don, I just had a good summer. <laughs> so you said you didn't see eye to eye with him all the time. Did well, anybody? He, didn't, he, didn't did like anybody? he thought I was making fun of him, but I really didn't mean to be sarcastic. <laughs> uh, but, and then he benched me the rest of the year. He played me my first game. I got a hat trick, and then he basically benched me. And he said, you got to learn how to play the defensive game. You only go one way. you got to come back the other way. He said, watch Marcotte and, and watch Cashman. Don't watch O'Reilly. He's all over the place. <laughs> so do you get some of the, you know, your defensive ability? you give him some credit for that? Well, yeah, through the attrition of ice time, he got it through my thick skull that there was two ends of the ice. And by coming back into your defensive zone and playing good positional hockey there, you often you know, break out and have good offensive chances. And by the time Don was gone and Jerry Cheevers came in as coach in the 80s, I was his go-to guy. He trusted me in the last minute, the first minute, power play, penalty killing, double shift, and that got me a lot of ice time, and, and in turn got me a lot of points. And I'm sure Don takes credit for that. Uh, yeah, well, I always give him credit for it, honestly. If it wasn't for him, I, I never would have been able to become that player in the 80s uh, that, that I did. So let's talk about your connection you had with, uh, <clears throat> with Barry Peterson. You guys really... You, you, you were awesome together, so what made that so? It, it, was, it was as surprising to me as anyone that, you know, a young centerman coming in, uh, you know, uh, being put on with the, eventually it was the top line because we started producing right off the bat. And, and he was a right-handed centerman, and me being a right winger, I always thought, well, maybe he'd have a little trouble getting the puck over to me. But Barry knew exactly when I liked to get it. I liked to get it right by the red line so I could get my head up and not lose more teeth by the time the defenseman stood up on me. So he always knew when to give it to me or when not to give it to me. And we just had this aura about ourselves that we knew where each other was. And we, we put up a, a lot of uh, points and good games. Unfortunately, no, no Stanley Cups. And when it came time that they were going to trade him, I was like, Cam Neely for Barry Peterson. I didn't get it because when we played Vancouver, Cam was a fourth line winger. They they never played him. They never used him like the Bruins did. And uh, when after obviously you know with history now we see why they did it. But I thought it was the biggest mistake, and it certainly affected my game because I didn't have my sentiment around anymore. Sure. 
you know, you mentioned, you know, no Stanley Cup, but there's a record that you hold still to this day, and I'm sure you're aware of it, but the most points in a playoff series? Yeah, Anybody's yeah. aware? 19? Are you kidding me? It was against the Buffalo Sabres in 1983. Wow. One, one good playoff series. <laughs> Were you a little scared that David Pashnak was going to break that recently? Because he was scoring left, right, center. Well, uh, it was another, it, it was a record for a short, in Boston it was a record with six points right. in the game. I got two and four, and, and Pashnak got three and three, but Espo had done it also before, which I didn't understand. But when I did it in, in Buffalo, Gretzky scored seven the next night. I think, he, I think he read the news and saw that I got six, but I think he got seven. So talk about Gretzky, because obviously you're familiar. I mean, you put, we talked about your Rangers days, Bruins day, days, and I mean, how did that feel playing with Gretzky and putting on Team Canada in Jersey? Well, it was awesome. Uh, my first experience was 81. Um, I only made the team because uh, Gilbert Perrault and Bill Barber got hurt, and they asked me if I could play left wing. And again, I got to thank Don Cherry because in the 70s, I was a right winger, but Don played me a left wing just to get me into games. And I learned how to play both sides. So when, uh, when uh, the coaches in Montreal came to me in the 81 Canada Cup and said, can you play left wing? I said with all the confidence in the world, said, sure I can. So I ended up on a line with uh, Kenny Linsman and Danny Gare that year. Unfortunately, we lost to the Russians in the final, 8-1. Uh, but then in 84, I, I get to camp, and uh, they put me on a line with Gretz. I'm like, wow. And nobody told me. Nobody warned me. Nobody told me to get prepared, work harder. Anyway, I just ended up on the right wing with, with him and uh, Michelle Goulet. And it was a great honor, uh, but a lot of pressure because, you know, he knows where to be at all times. And he knows where you should be at all times. And that's where the puck's going. And if you're not there, then you look pretty silly. And the, the strange thing about that team was that not only our line, but not the whole team really didn't gel. We finished fourth out of six teams in the round robin, and that's why we played the Russians in the semifinal, not the final, and beating beating them three two in overtime, and eventually beating Sweden. But it was it was a great thrill, obviously, uh, especially after losing the first one. There wasn't many guys left on that team from the '81 team for the '84, so I was one of them. Is there something else that sticks with you from Wayne Gretzky and then playing alongside him and something that you took away from your career? Yeah, you know, wow, uh, you know, afterwards, looking at how at all the records, the goals, the assists, everybody's trying to figure out how he did it. He's like a magician. And, and I got to play with him and I, I understand because I had a hard time finding him on the ice because I had just started playing with him. But he could hide out there like a magician. And he didn't always have the puck. But when he did get the puck on the ice, it was either in the net or on somebody else's stick, boom, and in the net. So I would have liked to have a chance to play longer with him and get kind of that rapport that Barry and I had. Yes, so I think we could have, could have done something, but he had a couple other pretty good wingers with him. All right. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We're, we're getting tight on time. we got to wrap okay. this up. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we'll get a question, though. One question. Yeah, yeah, one yeah question. we got some time if anyone wants to come up. And uh, rocking the Bruins jersey in the hat, I think you All should. Right. Hi. You did uh, mention your transition from New York. You traded to Ken Hodge. Right. What was your initial thought of coming to Boston? Well, I got traded uh, at the end of that season when we didn't make the playoffs and in May. And the big trade had already been made. I, uh, I got a chance to play with Phil Esposito in New York as a young winger. It was a great honor. Uh, and, you know, nobody wants to be traded. I always had dreams of going down ticker tape parade down Fifth Avenue, winning the cup, but the, the Rangers were so far away from that. 
I just started thinking about it, and then I thought, wow, Brad Park and Jean Rattel, two, two teammates are already there, Bobby Orr and Brad Park on defense, that, I was really looking forward to that. And uh, once I started thinking about it, I said, this is a new lease on life for me, you know, not that I wanted out of New York, but it was a new lease on, on my hockey life. But by the time I got to Boston, Bobby was gone. So that's one of my biggest regrets in the game. Thank you. Okay, we, uh, we have time for one more quick question if anybody wants to come up. Here we go. Oh. All right. Going for your children when you play, I think you've been a winner. Yeah, you had six fights in your career and then you won against Dave Schultz. What were you thinking? <laughs> you must be a fan to remember that one. Well, I wasn't really thinking, and uh, I, I, I got a one quick funny story all right, about that fight. That um, I know Davey from doing uh, charity events. Uh, years afterwards, you know, alumni games, whatever. So one night I'm in a bar having a beer with him. I thought I would tell him that I fought him, like he would remember. He had 600, I had six. So I said, Davey, I said, you know, you're my first fight in the NHL. And he looked at me and went, I fought you? Very nice. <laughs> How did I fight you? I said, I don't know, I must have elbowed you in the face. Well, there's a grainy uh, thing on YouTube that shows it. I didn't elbow him, he elbowed me in the face. My hair flew back, he threw a right and miss, he threw an uppercut and miss, and then the linesman jumped in. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's about all that happened in that one. Awesome. Okay. All right, so we're gonna, uh, we're gonna open up some boxes here, some mystery right. boxes here awesome. again. Hey, this is Jeff Eisenman of The Post Game, and you are listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, we're back after that quick break, and uh, we are going to begin the last of our Super Collector series that we started last month. We, we, we knew we were going to end up here in Toronto, and uh, we have four Super Collectors lined up, the first of which is uh, nothing to shake a stick at, Mr. Mr. Tom Poray. Am I saying that, Poray? You got it. Awesome. Uh, he is a Martin Brodeur Super Collector, and he, he hasn't bought his whole collection because that would take too much time, but he has bought four really nice pieces. Uh, but... Before we get into all that, Tom, please introduce yourself. Tell us what you do and how long you've been collecting uh, Martin Rotor cards. I, my name's Tom Poirier. I, what I do for a living. Sure. I am a uh, dual diagnosis justice coordinator. I help individuals with developmental disabilities and mental health navigate the justice system. Okay. I help the justice system understand our individuals. Oh, nice. Uh, in terms of collecting, obviously I was one I collected as a child. Uh, took a long break and then got back into it a couple of years ago. So uh, the question I ask here, if you've ever listened to our podcast, is when people tell me that they've taken a break, it's usually because of a girl. Was it a girl? <laughs> wasn't a girl. Oh, wasn't it was, a girl. Okay. No, no, it was really just, I guess, life. Okay. Um, yeah, nothing really specific that dictated it. Just took a break. And I mean, when I came back from that break, holy, did cards get different. Oh yeah. I mean, just everything from the patches to to anything. Sure. Art, so different. So, were you always a Brodeur collector, or when you got back into it, did you jump into that? Well, when I got back into it, I really decided I wanted to focus on somebody. Okay. Uh, and being a lifelong Devils fan, you know, I grew up with Brodeur. Brodeur was part of my life. Sure. Uh, when I got married, I wore the number thirty on the back on my back. Okay. We came into our wedding reception in our jerseys. Okay. Mine being a Brodeur jersey. So, uh, so I really decided I wanted to focus on Marty. So I actually traded a lot of my older stuff and started with the Marty collection. Awesome. Awesome. What do you think about this, Al? Oh, this is so, so uh, what has been the most challenging piece for you to acquire? 
Um, I think the interesting for me is they weren't really challenging. I wanted to have fun with this. Yeah. I mean, I could have easily gone out and thrown a lot of money at things, and but I decided I wanted to make it fun. So a lot of this was through Twitter. Trades, you know, just meeting different people, people hearing about, because I, I set myself a mission. So my goal was to collect 691 unique Verdure cards, one for each win. Okay. So, so you had a goal in mind already. I had a goal, okay. yeah. And I wanted to make it unique to Marty. Uh, I could have gone with the shutouts and just collected none. <laughs> but I decided 691 is what I wanted to do. So there was none really that I, I had to have, okay. but I wanted to have experiences. So, you know, meeting different people and, and hunting on like the Kijijis and things like that. Because again, I find it's so easy to just go out and, and throw money at a card. I wanted it to be fun. So there wasn't really a particular card that was hard. Um, I thought when I first started, and I probably had about five Verdure cards when I first started this, the hardest thing for me was envisioning getting to 691. And to do that, I think it took me about two and a half years, which is not that bad. So, How much of that was pro set? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, you, you were just telling us before we uh, went to air here about uh, this old parky autograph. But, uh, just tell us a little bit about that and why that one's so special in particular. Well, a buddy of mine, um, who is also a Devils fan, who lives out in Nova Scotia, he said, you know, once you get to 690, stop. And I want to be your 691st card. I want to send that to you. So so he sent me this card. Beautiful on-card auto. And it's, you know, the Marty I remember out there playing the puck. Um, just I absolutely love it and the fact that it's my 691st card came from a Devils fan and I mean I met him via Twitter uh, and again he's come down to Toronto now we've, we've spent time together oh, uh, you know we're going out to Nova Scotia this summer to spend time with his family and check out their local card shops and see what I can bring down for him but, uh, but that one was really special to have someone say I want to do this for you and with no thought of trade, finance, anything like that. I right. think, to me, that was the best part. And so many people uh, who heard about this, who, who provided cards, who just sent them out of the goodness of their hearts. I think that that's what this community is about. And, you know, that's, to me, what the hobby was always about. Even as a kid, just trading. And it wasn't about the value. Yeah, your, your approach is is an example for everyone to follow. I'm, I'm really impressed by the way you've gone about this and, and the way you've turned it into such a, a personal thing and not just about just the possession of it it's it's the acquisition the process and and what it means um do you have anything that that really stands out to you as a favorite something that means a lot to you personally uh, that you picked up along the way i think they all do i mean obviously the 691 this yeah. one was given to me by another guy just a beautiful patch and that's um, a uh what is that the premiere right so that's uh what year is this can't even tell. There's no year on it. 2004. Looks like uh, Premier Superstars. Nice uh, three-color swatch. That's a big patch on that. Yeah, really nice patch. Very nice. Let's talk about this one. This is a uh, this is 20th anniversary Young Guns from the 1011 set. Obviously, you didn't have a Young Gun, so th this was a, it was a cool set, anyways. And then I see this is a nine. Have you ever tried even a nine five or you? 
No? Nope. Are you happy with this? or This this came when I traded a bunch of other cards and the guy gave me that. So okay. I, I wouldn't want it any other way okay. because of the story of trading the other cards for this. And, sure. you know, I remember that day in the parking lot at a random gas station trading for that. So, <laughs> But it's, it's those stories, I think, that that's what I really wanted. Right? Of course. But I think, to me, when you ask about a standout card, it's, it's Britter's rookie. The score rookie card. Uh, you know, the fact that this kid was turned down by Team Canada to play for the juniors, uh, that he was, you know, the Devils gave him a chance. And just seeing that picture now, you know, when you think as a kid being drafted, what, what could I potentially be? And now you have one of the, arguably one of the greatest goaltenders sure. in the NHL. Uh, so I think that part will always be my favorite. I mean, it doesn't have the autograph. It's not a one-of-one, one, but it's, it's that... Just the innocence of that card. Sure. So. I get it. That makes sense. So what now? You're at 691. <laughs> uh, the obvious question, what's next? I think for me is, is you know, an another one I'd like to do at some point is uh, 125 autograph cards, one for each wow. shutout. Right. Uh, obviously, that's going to take a lot more yeah. money, time, right. things <laughs> like that. But for me now, it's really about finding those obscure items, like the Bruder rubber duck, the Bruder teddy bear that you can find. Uh, it's really about finding those. But also now, I have two daughters, and it's, it's really about bringing them into it. Sure. Um, they're not here today, but they do love coming out, and it's really helping them to, to, to collect and, and expand their collection, but to teach them that it's fun. You know, it's not about spending all your money they'll save up their allowance and you know they'll go and buy packs of cards it's phenomenal to see it reminds me of me being a kid uh, so really I think it's before I do the 125 um, I want to step back and, and just enjoy with them you know just enjoy opening packs with them and, and putting them into our in their binders and really just that so makes a lot of sense do you have any um, like memorabilia pieces from him from Birdwood I have autograph pictures. Uh, I do have an autograph practice stick. Okay. Um, but that's really the next chapter, I think, for me in the collection sure. is, is I'm not going to try and get 691 autograph pictures. <laughs> I would need a far bigger house, but really the obscure items. Sure. Um, and my ultimate goal is, again, referencing my wedding. I came in in a Verdure jersey. It's to have that jersey signed. All right. So to actually meet Marty, bring my family, introduce them, and have that wedding jersey signed. That's, that's my goal. Well, he's, he's in the front office in St. Louis right now. Right now, he? yeah. Brilliant. So we can get you he's, down to he's St. Louis. Gonna, he's going to have his own GM job, I think, very soon. But, uh, I think so. Do you, have, do you have any... So the Upper Deck had the one uh, Brodeur update in a St. Louis Blues jersey. Do you have that as well? or? I don't know offhand. I have... So I have three of his Blues cards... So for each of his wins, okay, as a blue. All right. Um, I'm not sure if I have that one up here. I know that we had it in the office, and somebody graded it, and he came back a nine five. I, I, I remember it sticking out to me because it was it was his first blues card. But uh, I'll look for it for you. I'm trying to find that for you. Have you tried reaching out to him at all, or uh, anything else to sort of further that aspect of your collection? No, I mean I've had uh, Upper Decks offered to help. Uh, Upper Deck sponsors the Hockey Hall of Fame. Bruder is likely to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Likely. So they did say that, um, you know, if he is there, that they could potentially get me down to the Did hall. No kidding. Uh, oddly enough, 
the when the Hall of Fame induction is is the day I leave for Disney with the family, so it may need to happen another time. Uh, obviously, family first. Yeah, absolutely but, right. Uh, it'll happen. It'll happen, and you know, it, I know he does signings. I'm not going to send this jersey in to be signed. This is something that I need to do in person, and, and I really want to do in person. So. Um, you need to tell him wait. the story. I'm sure that exactly. it'd be great to share that with him. Yeah. You know. Unless he finds he, it creepy. And he's that a, I, no, no. He, I mean, he's a guy who has a hobby history, and I, I think yeah. he would probably appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Tell us about this. Is the one that you haven't talked about yet? The ice creams. Tell us about that one. I just to me, it's 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 an absolutely stunning card uh, on card auto. Um, again, just it's the retro Marty. Um, Obviously, it doesn't do justice just talking about it. But it's it's to me, it's hard to find these cards, especially yes. now with the sticker autos and things like that. Right. Um, that's just a one, one that I love. Sweet. All right. So we've talked about what's next. We've talked about uh, you know where where you're going with with the collection. So tell our listeners where they can find you on social media that might not know know you already so where they can find you to uh, make some make some yeah. deals with you man <laughs> get those uh, get that autograph collection built up so my handle on twitter is very simple it's my name it's at Tom Pore T-O-M-P-O-R-A-Y um, definitely add me let me know um, even just to talk and you know, with other people that may want to start these super collections um, but in all honesty you know it's, it's have fun doing it. Sure. Well, sure. I'll tell you, there, there's no one right way to collect, but I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by the way you're going about it. Thank uh, you. I think you're a, a real example for other people to follow. That's really nice. Uh, you. you're, you're a testament to the community now, actually, the way that it's gone so social and the way that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's larger than the LCS, right? And I love the LCS. We all do. Yeah. But when we can reach out as a community across oceans, Yep. In some yep. cases, you know, oh, yeah. uh, it's it's really cool, man. Thank you for bringing this out. Thank you for being patient with me. I, I know that we were supposed <laughs> to be doing this a lot earlier. All good, but, all good. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, before you leave, I want to snap a pic with uh, the piece that we gave you. So yeah, yeah. Um, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. This is Rob Varis from Burbank Sports Cards, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, we're back after that quick break. And joining us uh, are three super collectors now. As they uh, rifle through their uh, their collections, respectively, we're going to get started here. Uh, we're going to first introduce uh, Amy, who is a Ryan Spooner collector. How you doing, Amy? Good, thanks. You got to talk up. You got to talk up. Good, thanks. There you go. That's that's easier. Uh, then we have our good friend uh, David, who's, who was on the show, I believe, last year. Was it last, last year? Last year, yep. Uh, with his uh, Simone Dupree uh, collection, but he's he's bought he's brought some more, which is great. And then we have Dave, who uh, is a Thomas Shabbat collector, who is rifling through his uh, box of cards to pull out. First off the line here is a uh, one of one. That's the 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 golden treasures, right? Yep. The golden treasures of OPG Platinum. So let's start with you, uh, Amy, as uh, everybody else is trying to find cards. Why Ryan Spooner? Well, I've always been a Bruins fan for okay. a long time, and in the last couple of years, uh, we drafted a guy from Ottawa, which we're from Ottawa, so okay. I decided to start seeing a local Bruins since I hadn't really been interested in anyone at the time. Sure. 
And I also PC Zachary Sanishin as well, okay. who's up and coming in the Bruins. So. Very nice. Uh, you are sitting across from quite possibly the biggest Bruins fans uh, or fan and all of Beckett. His name is uh, Al. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the Bruins earlier, so I'm going to let you take this one. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> Sanishin is an interesting guy, but we'll talk about Spooner first. Uh, what was it like when he got traded? What, what sort of gut punch was that? Well, we always knew he would get traded because usually third and fourth line players don't stick around on the team for very right. long. So right. we were actually surprised that he didn't get traded the last time his contract came up. So mm -hmm. I was pretty happy that they signed him for another two years. Um, so I wasn't too upset when he got traded because I knew he was going to. But the fact that I really disliked Rick Nash was a real punch in the stomach yeah, for me. For him to go in that trade. Yep. So that was the tough part. It wasn't the fact that he got traded, it was who it was for that made it tough for me to deal with. <laughs> so well, you'll still continue to collect him as a ranger? Or? Yes. Okay. And I know him as well. Oh, so really? I've okay. met him numerous times in Ottawa. Um, he let me come and see him after the playoff games last year okay. in Ottawa. So. So what kind of guy is he? What, what is it that, that really makes him special to you as a collector? Um, I just like his style of play. I'm mm -hmm. very particular about the players that I like. So um, I'm a big fan of Steve Eiserman, Solani, and Bergeron. Okay. So I like um, I like centers and wingers. And uh, he's a nice guy. His, you know, I just hit it off with his family, his dad, and his mom. And mm -hmm. I started um, also giving his mother all the doubles that I have. So all the Good doubles that get I get, in. I yeah. give his family. So And they'll reach out to me and ask me for cards for their family reunions and stuff. So I'll send them all kinds of stuff. So tell me a little bit about your collection now. What sort of shape is it in? What have you got? What are you, what are you looking for? Yeah. Um, I have well over 300 spooners, wow. um, almost 30 101s. So the card, surprisingly, that I'm really trying to find is this Young Gun High Gloss, mm -hmm. which has been very, very difficult to mm. find. Okay. So. Well, hopefully somebody will be listening that, uh, <laughs> that can help you out with that. That would be awesome. That's definitely somebody's dime box right yeah. now. <laughs> it probably yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the fact that it's from 1314, yeah. not, no, not a lot of people open that anymore, and it's yeah. actually difficult to find. So it's a card that's really tough. To it find. is tough. How have you come across 31 of ones? Clearly, you're doing a good job networking. To, yes. To well, that. I control the Facebook network, and my other half controls the Twitter network. Okay. So we've kind of divide and conquer type mm. thing, and then we're both on eBay all the time. And we go to Toronto, Montreal shows, and then I have friends all over the U.S. and Canada who also look at shows out west and in the states for me as well. Outstanding. Talk a little bit about Zach Sanishin. He's a kid that uh, was a controversial pick, to say the least. Very. Um, it's not looking like it's panning out right now, but uh, there's no doubt he's got. He's he's a goal scorer, and uh, if uh, things work out the way the Bruins hope, he could be a. A very dynamic player, uh, just a, a natural-born finisher. So, what is it about him, and uh, what do you have uh, in your collection from right now? Uh, well, he's also from Ottawa. Okay. So he had a he played very well with the Greyhounds, yep. and um, he played well with Providence as well. But and hopefully, you know, with Cassidy liking the young players, he does. He'll want to bring him up and develop him. He's got lots of them now. So and hopefully, some of the older guys who are up will be out the door and allow you know, a player like him to come up. Right. Uh, he mostly only has ITG cards right now, right. so I have a lot of autographs, and there's a ton of parallels in in ITG. So I probably have at least 80% of his cards in wow. ITG already. I'm really only missing a few 101s. I have 
maybe five one ones four or five one ones already. So I'm maybe missing one card out of three, but other than that, I have everything that he has so far. So is there a white whale for him that you're on the hunt for, or just sort of not you're really. just keeping your there's eyes just open? There's just one ones left now, so okay. there's not really a white whale for him yet. All right. Okay. Awesome. You ready to move on to the next one? Let's move Thank on. Thank you, Amy. Yes. Very much. I didn't want to know that much about Ryan Spooner, but now I do. And there we go. Awesome. Uh, Amy is a, is a uh, well, her family is a, is a show standard here. Look forward to seeing you guys every year up here. So uh, thank you for stopping by. Thanks. We love Beckett and we love Upper Deck, so we don't mind supporting. Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Uh, Simone Dupree. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, what has changed? What has been the, so the last time we talked, I asked you, what are you going to do when he gets traded? And he ended up with the Ducks. Yep. And now he's out of the league. Yep. What do we do? He is in the KHL right now. Yes. So I picked up my first first KHL round. All right. It's actually there's actually I don't know seven different parallels, but okay. that's <laughs> his only card right now in the KHL. And they're all different color variations in the bottom corner. All right, I got you. Yeah. yeah. That's the complete run of them? Is this that, a rainbow? or? Uh, as far as I know, there's seven. That's all I've ever seen. So okay. I don't, I don't, I haven't really even seen the checklist for these. So I don't, I don't really know too much about them. So you're picking up Russian cards. You do this through uh, eBay? I did that one through eBay. That one actually came right from Moscow. Really? Yeah. So it took about, uh, I say, almost a month. And it finally finally made it so very nice yeah very very nice so actually the an update actually since the last time i was here this was a nice big pickup that i ended That's up picking beautiful. up the complete logo card yes yeah. nice so very cool all right so your your collection now is obviously taking a, a turn to to russian cards and you picked this up yep. there's not much that you didn't have already no so i'm still <laughs> picking away i'm still still looking it's really anything under anything under 10 Okay. Is what I'm looking for. All right. And even those are starting to dwindle. One of ones. Um, actually, recently, where is it? There was a more recent one that I picked up. Uh, was this one right here, the Dominion. Oh, Dominion. Now you're sitting also across from a man that probably worked on Dominion. Did you? I did. Did you? He worked on Dominion yeah. for Panini. Um, tell us about Dominion, man. What? what how, how did you guys? What, what was the concept come from? And then, um, Dominion was was uh, really about coming up with our own unique ultra premium product. Okay. Uh, the name Dominion actually came from the cup itself. If you look at it, it says the Dominion cup. Yeah, so, right. So uh, that's uh, that's why we call it Dominion. And we're looking for a way to produce cards that were spectacular without being derivative of what another company was doing at the time. Sure. Um, and so, you know, we tried some different ideas and I thought some of them were pretty great, and I was I was really pleased with that first year, in particular. So very nice. Um, when I worked out. So yeah, so, this is this is great though. I love these. This is a this is a pretty cool idea. This is the uh, printing plate with the patch. Yeah. yeah nice three color patch. So and, uh, let me ask you this: how, how do you feel when you see cards that you know you worked on? Um, like so. I mean, you know, honestly, a lot of it's a blur because you're doing yeah. so many of them over a period of time. Uh, but there are some that I feel very special and. and uh, uh, definitely uh, a real kinship towards. Sure. Um, Any Spitfire, really. Any Spitfire, <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 
it's really and it's neat to see that people get excited about them and, and, you, and you hope that people like them as much as you enjoyed making them sure really of course yeah, these ones were all these ones were always my favorite in, in the panini and the, yep. the seams sure yeah. those nice? were fantastic yeah. yeah those were really cool that was, um, a Clint, that was a Clint Hall idea I believe yeah. oh really good on Clint Nice. Now you have something very unique in front of you, the video card. Yep. It's not charged, so we yep. can't see it. But uh, these were... These were big, the, big yeah, hits. Yeah, they really were. And I'm surprised to learn that he had one, actually. But, yeah, he uh, was actually he was the number 29th pick that year. Okay. So he was a first-round draft sure, pick. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty cool. So, so when it's actually charged, what's the video? Uh, what does it it's show? It's literally... Uh, 10 second video of him just skating and he just does a snow plow and then that's it wow. that's it just sprays that's it wow so it's uh that's the that's from the cup right that's from the cup yeah, yeah. and then panini had the uh, xr is that what it was called uh, yeah that was after i left after you left yeah. have you seen a video card in a while there no no, no i have not i have not i remember when it was uh seemed like a, a great idea it seemed like the next big thing sure um I'm, I'm kind of old-fashioned. I like stuff. Like stuff like that? I, I like that. I'm going to see if I can find a cord tonight and bring it back tomorrow. That'd be yeah. awesome. So. That'd be awesome. So where did you pick this up at, and like, what did it cost you? This one, I actually picked it up on eBay. Oh, yeah? Um, there's still quite a few out there that are on sale for like 100-something 100, 100 Canadian. I think I picked it up at the time. It was like the 60. Really? 60 Canadian, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So That's there's awesome. Still, there's, I think there's about two or three that are out there floating around right now. So what what are you chasing right now then? I mean, you said that there's not much left. But no, is there it's something? just it's really just just whatever the plates, whatever pop up. There's yeah. a couple right now that I see out there. Uh -huh. uh, it's still a little tough for me to to spend the, what people want. I know there's someone's COMC there, and I just they're not budging on there. It's okay, now when, you, when you've got a, a guy like this who has a, or you know, Ryan Spooner, people, yeah. people that have very limited followings. Correct. And you're well known for pursuing those guys. Yeah. Do you feel like you're ever taken advantage of by oh, people who are? 100%. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Just, uh, well, F those guys, dude. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, there's one guy out there that I reach out to him and he has one card. It was a Panini uh, Patch Auto out of 10. And I said, he goes, well, he has it listed for like 70 Canadian. I'm like, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like I do collect them a lot and I'll give you 40 Canadian. That's more than what you're uh, ever going to get. I think yeah. so. And I told him that. And no, he's not budging. $65 is the lowest he's going to go. And he goes, I'll just hold on to it because I like the patch. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's nothing that's you could fair. do, right? Like, right. That's not cool at all. No, it's not cool. And it like, but, it, it mean, hurts, right? But like, right. you're like, okay. If the guy really likes the patch, I mean, but, but at the same time, I mean, you yeah. could put it out on a table for five yeah. bucks and yeah. no one would pick no. it up. But for the right buyer, yeah. it's... Oh, last year, there's a table that I always go to that I found a printing plate for $5 last year. Yeah. The prick. So just like, boom, score. Yeah. There you go. And he was quite happy to sell it. He was, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So. All right. Thomas Shabbat. Yes. <laughs> Explain this one because you, you, you had another PC that kind of, once his prices went up, you had to move on. So Yeah. So I was... Carlson for years and it got it got painful to keep buying I was adding one or two a year of nice Carlson's and that was about it I had done some other ones in the meantime trying to find something a little more affordable sure uh, after Curtis Lazar and Matt Pumple both burned me I decided <laughs> to go I needed to go a little bit more reliable so I I set out to do every Thomas Shabbat rookie year release basically okay. so everything that upper deck put out in his rookie season 
and I, I chased everything numbered out of 10 or higher. I've gotten a few lower than that. Obviously, and I mean, this was nice. You asked about the negative of being known as a super collector. There's two in here, the Golden Treasures and the Black Future Watch Parallel Wow. that got offered to me before they showed up on the market, and I'm pretty certain I got a better deal out of them because of that. People came to me, you know, mm -hmm. I'm saving them eBay fees. It's, you know, it's cash in your hand right away, right? Sure. So, That's a strong point. So people know I'm buying high-end Shabbat. So they've, a few of them have kind of fallen into my lap nicely that way. I mean, the need list has gotten really short, though, now. I managed to find one here today going right. through every booth. Oh, wow. So I managed to pick up this one, uh, Premier Auto, out of five. Oh, nice. So that's another another step closer to done my need list. So let's talk about his autograph for a moment. I was it's just thinking <laughs> It's not the greatest. It's, it's not strong. It's very streaky, too. Um, does that bother you as a collector, like how weak his autograph is? Uh, it's certainly not what you really want to see out of a guy that you're PCing, that they're signing so haphazardly. Yeah. Now, when he does sign in person, okay. he, would, he would add his jersey number. Okay. But I guess when he did all his signing for Upper Deck, he wasn't sure what his number in Ottawa was going to be. If it was going to stay at 72, because sure. he couldn't have five, which was his junior number, because right. that's occupied by Cody Cece. So, like anything I have from him in person, he's got 72 on it, or he's got five on it. It looks a little bit better. Okay. It's still a terrible autograph, but I mean, that's how many players these days don't have terrible autographs. Sure. The nice ones are almost few and far between. Right. That's true. So, what's been the hardest piece for you to find so far? Hardest piece for me to find? I mean, everything that's kind of sitting out on this table was hard to find. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the... This one fell into my lap, the black parallel, so that one wasn't too bad. Okay. And some of them, it's just been, the hard part's been the back and forth with the person selling it. A couple, like that premiere out of three, I had to wait for the guy to come down to about half of what he was asking for on it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's just... It's a nice tag piece, too. Yeah, I was, I was noticing just the incredible quality of your uh, swatches. And are you somebody that holds out for the best possible swatch or do you get one and then upgrade when an opportunity to improve comes available or what's your what's Depending your approach there? on like the numbering there's certain there's certain ones in there like the future watch patch auto that i know there's a hundred out there yep. so i'm not going to jump at the two color single break patch because i know i'll get a better one for similar money some of these, it's just, I mean, that's, they're low numbered ones sitting in front of you, so that's kind of the only level of patch that they're going to have in them. Right. Thankfully, Upper Deck's done a pretty good job in his year of putting good patches into good cards. There's nothing more frustrating than to get a out of 10 card and have a yeah. boring patch in it. Yep. But, I mean, I'm not huge into tags or. So I do like kind of ones that have emblem pieces or just something a little bit unique that you can kind of place in the jersey so you know where it came from. Yeah. There's something fun about that. But I mean, not going to pay a crazy premium just for a pretty patch. So one, oh, sorry. Go ahead. One, one, of the, one of the things, you talked about having to get out of collecting Carlson because he became a little too expensive. Shabbat is a player who could, if 
things go according to plan, become almost that type of guy. He's not going to be Eric Carlson, but he could be a number one defender for for the centers in, in short order, and he might get to that point. Do you see a time when you might have to say, this is it, I, I can't go any further? Well, since I set my goal as kind of the rookie year, I kind of figure before that happens, I'll be most be of the way So done. that's it. So you're just doing his rookie year. That's that's the initial plan. When we okay. finish that, if he starts showing up in too many things and new products, I might keep going. But I've always, even with Carlson, it was I always preferred to get rookie year products. There's a little bit of extra value to them, but mostly it's just... You can't chase everything, right? You cannot. No. I, I already have over 100 unique Shabbats out of his rookie year, and he wasn't he was hardly in products right. until Christmas. Right. Until he exploded at the World Juniors, he was like he was a redemption in artifacts and a redemption in MVP. He had a couple things in trilogy, but like he wasn't heavily in those products, and it's still there's over 150 unique Carlson or uh, unique Shabbats from one year. Like that's enough to keep me busy. It is. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, first of all, thank you all for being patient with me today. I know that we had this scheduled for earlier in the day, but we had some stuff come up. Uh, again, thank you for being patient. All right, before we get out of here, we'll, we'll start with you, Dave. Tell our listeners where they can find you on social media. So they can, uh, you guys can hook up, make some trades, and maybe find some stuff that you don't have. Yeah. So I'm at Dave underscore Cards. Okay. So I mean, I think pictures of all the cards we talked about today exist there, and okay. I'm fairly active there. All right, Dave. I, uh, we all know you pretty well, but go ahead. Yeah. So it's at the Real Deepan. Yeah, I know we've got a pretty big uh, group of uh, friends and followers. Sure. So just if you're if you're following one of my friends, which we probably are, there's. Like, I don't know, like 2,800 yeah. following me. So, if you're listening sure. to this podcast, you're probably following him, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Amy, and you? Uh, you can find my other half on Twitter. I think it's Steffler4. I'm not even on there, so I don't know his name, but these guys are quite good friends of him. So, it's Steffler4. And then on Facebook, I go by Frankie Rush, and I'm probably part of like 30 groups on there. Awesome. Hard groups. So. Frankie Rush on Facebook. Check her out there. Uh, Amy Ryan Spooner card center that way. You, you had a, you, you look like you were going to say something there, buddy. No, I'm no? good. You're good? I'm good, yeah. All right. Hell Spitfires? I, I'm just saying uh, I'm going to say something after this is over. So, okay. Uh, a little, uh, a little you guys are going to miss out, but people are here. All yeah, right. We're having fun. Awesome. Uh, guys, thank you all again for being patient with me. Thank no, you all no for coming by. Uh, that concludes our Super Collector Series for the month of uh, May. What was that? May? May well, it was April. It was, that, it was April when we were doing it. So, <laughs> okay. that concludes the the super collectors for the month of may uh, april and we're gonna end it here in may i'm hungry so i'm just kind of chattering at this point i need to eat something so uh guys uh, hang tight we'll be right back hello my name's eli you're listening to back at all right, that's that. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. Again, on the front end of that, my man Chris Meany from uh, from Fantasy Footballers Hall of uh, Fame. You know, he he was joining me, hosting those uh, two hockey legends, and then uh, we had my man, the new hockey editor Al Muir, with me on the Super Collector series as well uh, as we finish those up. I'm sure you you can look for some uh, content in the Beckett Hockey Magazine coming up about those guys and girls, actually. Everything was it was great today. It was a lot of fun. Looking forward to tomorrow as uh, we have 
some video content we're hoping to be uh, uh, getting. I don't quite want to spoil that yet, but uh, we're looking to do some some unique video content from the show floor. So hopefully that'll be happening. And then there's some more player interviews uh, I may get to sit in on as well, again with Chris. So all that to be said, thanks for listening today. It was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And again, we got more great content to bring you from today. So be on the lookout for that. Till next time, Jess, T, listen, cue the Jericho. Can't control info, wireless fiber optics. The game's virus control, I'm stealth mode kill clone. With accurate mic control, I explode and break bones. Son and none crossing enemy zones. Through headphones, I push info to mission control. It's stories to be told. Code, decode these remotes. Broke down, but this behold. The illness from CO. Deep through the keyhole to see this one light. Leeches lurking in the darkness, won't leave living tonight. Punchline for fist fight, we cause they heads ain't fed right. How can you see my brother with no perspective of sight? Can't do good and live right. Kick snares and high hats, they be the get right. Here they give the blind sight. What? Me and my people just might tonight, alright? Me and my people just might. Me and my people just might.